Welcome to Movie Smoothie. This is a, a special episode, uh, number 201.5. Um, oh, I'm yeah. Steve. I'm Ronald. Who's, who's next? I'm John. <laughs> and, if you could, and if you couldn't tell, this is a special episode where we are all at our respective homes recording over a conference call just so that we could get together to talk about Thor Ragnarok. Ah. Yep. That's like usually where they would queue up like a little clip from the movie. You know, you drop it into it and then it's like, it just sounds all sexy and it goes right into yeah. the clip. Mm-hmm. Hope you're taking notes, John. That would be really fancy. That would be fancy. It'd be great if we did that. It really <laughs> sounds like something a, a producer should be doing. <clears throat> <laughs> so I guess let's give quick impressions of Thor Ragnarok. And also just how did it fit into what you see as Taika Waititi's directorial career? Coupled with that question, let me know how you think of what you think about the Thor series in general, because that, that's pretty important in comparison to this movie, especially because the tone is so different. Basically, I think Thor, the Thor series prior to this film was probably some of the least interesting entries in the Marvel uh, Cinematic Universe, in my opinion. I mean, I really like the Thor character and I really like Chris Hemsworth as Thor and, um, you know, the Loki character is probably one of the better Marvel villains slash characters um, that we've seen to date, I think. And most people probably, you know, would agree with that. Um, but I don't know. There's just something lacking about his solo films. Um, it, it's kind of fun seeing him, in, you know, in the Avengers, or at least the first Avengers film. Um, he's got a really great... I mean, he's ca- the, the casting in all these films are really good. And I mean, I think he's definitely a character that has been cast really well. And I really like Chris Hemsworth, and he's kind of always teeter tottered on like the um, the humor. Uh, you know, he's a very funny guy, and I mean, I think that this film finally getting into letting him be funny as Thor, and um, some of the shorts that Taika did prior to Thor Ragnarok coming out, kind of you know gave you an impression of what that was going to be like in in his film. But I think it's a I think it's a it's an interesting uh, entry into the Marvel series. I think, you know, I think it's like the seventeenth film uh, in the series, and, um, you know, I think it's really cool to see them be able to pivot so much with um, the tone of a movie. Because I mean, I feel like like Thor and Thor: The Dark World. Um, I, I feel like they feel like the most or some to me at least some of the more generic superhero like marvel films like they feel like that could just be the narratives that those stories have and some of the mystical stuff like um it i don't know it just doesn't it doesn't hit as hard with me as some of the other characters do in their standalone films yeah when we did our marvel movie rankings i think the two thor films were among the consistently lowest rated uh, on all of our lists right and you know there's something kind of competent about them yeah. what you said about them being generic really hits the nail on the head in the truest sense of the word generic because of the genre that they are in they don't do much to bend it yeah like the first one is a straight up fish out of water story and the second one is kind of straight sci-fi fantasy and neither one of them really carves out a niche the way the best of the marvel movies absolutely do but what they do get right is setting up some of that world building some of those characters particularly thor and loki yeah uh, uh, as you said. Yeah, and I mean, and it's kind of cool to see... Um, well, I think it's actually really important outside of like what I think about the Thor movies at all. I think it's a good thing to see 
Um, we've always talked about kind of like the Marvel, like, you know, kind of giving a movie to a director, kind of picking interesting people to make their films. And while they have a lot of control over the movies, like, you know, you can definitely get a sense like from the Guardians films, especially that they're they're hiring these people that have a vision or have a have a tone to them that they can bring to their films. And, you know, with Ryan Coogler coming out with Black Panther in the next year, like it's just an exciting thing to see them be on the 17th movie. And it feel it, it feel pretty fresh to me, to be honest. Like, I think that, like, the shift into, you know, more of, like, an intergalactic, like, just comedy. And even though that sounds like Guardians, it's not Guardians. Like, it, it's, it's, it doesn't feel the same as that movie. It's more akin to that. But, I mean, I think taking a character like Thor, who, you know, you see in these prior two films, and he's, and he's got moments of humor and self-awareness and things of that nature, and, and kind of just turning it up a lot in this movie and having a lot of humor. I mean, a really, really funny movie um, that happens to be a Marvel movie about Thor um, is a, is a, is a pretty big success. And I think it's exciting to see them be on movie 17. And, you know, if you, we always kind of go into this rotten tomato conversation and however you feel about that site, it's an interesting gauge to look at number 16 prior to this movie coming out and, and it be Thor dark world is like the lowest rated movie. And Thor Ragnarok is coming out, and it's their highest-rated movie um, in terms of Rotten Tomato scores. And to make that kind of adjustment and to find a way to make a character, you know, more exciting, more relatable, more interesting, and to really play into some some really some asset that Chris Hemsworth brings to the character, um, I think it's a huge move in the right direction for Marvel, and you know, I think it's and and for Thor. Uh, and also for the Hulk as well. I hated the first two Thors. Um, I've kind of expressed it before. And in Phase 3 of the Marvel Universe, uh, there's a couple of things that kind of need to be addressed for almost every movie that comes out at this point, right? Because at this point, we've seen what they've done in the first couple movies, the first two phases. The third phases, have to, the stakes have to be higher. The villains have to be a little more developed because in the first two two uh, phases, we've seen a lot of like underdeveloped villains. The story has to be good and the character development has to be good as we lead into what's, what's essentially going to be like a royal rumble of heroes and villains in one big movie that's coming up soon, right? Right, right. And Thor, although not perfect, has all of those things. The stakes are high. The character changes in the end. There's something very, very permanent that happens to one of the characters that is very important to the development of the character, which never really happens in any of the prior phases of the Marvel world. There's pretty good character development. And the villain is a solid fucking villain. I mean, and for whatever shortcomings this villain has, you know, whatever Gila has, Whatever shortcoming she has, she is a solid villain. She has a good storyline. She has a good base. Um, it makes sense why she exists. And Kate Blanchett is just having a blast. Yes. In that role. Yes. Um, she takes the idea of the Oscar winner slumming in a superhero film and and just blows it up. Absolutely. And something's changed about the dialogue from the previous movies to this one. And that's kind of like the... 
in in the previous movies you've seen kind of witty banter which is always cool um and i think we kind of saw the height of that in some of the avengers movies but we're seeing kind of the casual conversation between the heroes that we kind of haven't really seen in any of the other movies that taika watiti's kind of bringing in from his kind of i don't know he has like this natural dialogue that's kind of innocent and funny and revealing and emotional into a into a superhero world that feels very natural and i think that it gets away with a bunch of stuff that a bad version of this wouldn't have gotten away with yeah we were talking the other day about new zealand humor and and how it's different from american humor and different from british humor mm-hmm. um in a lot of ways even though it resembles british humor it's like it's got the wit and the snap and the cleverness of British humor, but without some of the sort of harshness or nastiness or that whiff of colonialism or right. snobbery. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's perfect. What you were saying, Steve, too, uh, really struck me about how this movie might sound like Guardians on paper, but it's not Guardians. And I would say the difference between it and Guardians is exactly the difference between James Gunn's style of comedy and character, which is fun and pleasing in its own way, and Taika Waititi's style, which is that New Zealand style of uh, just a little bit more unassuming, a little bit more laid back in its approach. And I think that just, you feel that through the movie. Right, right. What really stuck with me after uh, Thor Ragnarok was thinking back on this year and realizing what a fun year it has been for Marvel, from Guardians of the Galaxy 2 to Spider-Man Homecoming, to Thor Ragnarok. It's just a lot of big, shiny entertainments that uh, really reach out and grab you. Yeah, man, this 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 phase of the Marvel movies is impressive. Like Steve's saying, uh, it, it's insane that these movies still wind up feeling fresh, but I think some of it has to do with them listening to the general public, them saying, okay, there were no stakes before. Now, now the stakes are a little higher. We're getting to a point where, like, the world's being kind of formed and and also prior to this all the movies besides guardians were on the ground they were on earth now that we're getting some of the space stuff we're seeing a connection between everybody on earth everybody that's going to be in the inner in the galaxies kind of around and how they're going to merge into a world we're seeing you know characters like dr strange and the mysticism and the magic which i i think we all kind of were sort of hesitant about just because i mean or or not not doubting them but a little afraid to see how they worked in magic into this world that didn't have much magic into it fusing these two worlds together and it seems to be kind of seamless man and it's impressive so I'm I'm ready for the ride, and it and there is a connection to Thanos and everything that's happening with the Infinity Stones that doesn't feel like it's forced. So I'm I'm curious to see what happens. You know, supposedly when um, when Thor Ragnarok was announced, it was said to be a much darker film. And if you'll remember, the last time we saw Thor in the films, it was in Avengers: Age of Ultron, and he had this really droopy, dour plotline where he was following ominous portents and going off on this mission that the movie didn't really flesh out. And this was supposed to pick up with that. But once they brought in a director who was, who was primarily known for light comedies, I think that was a big factor in convincing Chris Hemsworth to do the film. 
because he didn't want to play the stodgy version of the character again, supposedly. He wanted to yeah. do something that might let him kind of show his comic chops. Mm. From that point, the movie kind of sweeps the board of a lot of the accessories of the, the Thor movies before that. You know, it kind of uh, deals with Asgard and a lot of the characters there in a way that suggests it's really trying to create a new version of the of the character for people and and that seems like it has a lot to do with Taika Waititi's vision which almost seems like Marvel might be responding to the criticism of their house style being kind of samey from movie to movie and you know already between this film and and Black Panther coming up in February we have two very different looking films is it possible that Marvel's a more director friendly studio than previously thought it's a good question John I mean I, I think the first thing that comes to mind is just that I think that I can't deny, I can't not think that there's like a conscious effort to have like more of a variety uh, across the movies. Like I feel like I keep kind of coming back to this idea of like being on like movie 17 and, 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 you know, while a lot of the Marvel movies have different tones and like we can talk about like Ant-Man and even Dr. Strange, like I guess those two come up immediately in my mind only because they feel like the most diverted films from like the the traditional, like, I don't know, like Captain America's and Iron Man's, but, and even the Thor's, like, I think it's just, there's got to be a conscious effort to, like, say, okay, like, these characters have unique things about them, or there's a unique voice that we want to find for these films to kind of, like, take over for this character, and whether that's James Gunn, or if it ends up being Ryan Coogler, or, or, or even Taika, like, it, it's got to be an idea to say, like, we need to start developing more tones to these films so that it's not three movies coming out in a year or two or whatever it is any any given year. And they're all pretty much like not the same movie, but they feel like the continuation of like the movie you saw five months ago. You know, like these still feel connected. There's still references and you still feel like they're playing in the same pl- and, you know, on, on the same playground. But, you know, I think it's important to kind of keep things fresh and to keep people wanting to come back because people always talk about kind of being like burned out. I mean, we've talked about being burned out on like superhero movies and like yet we'll see every one of them. But it's a lot more encouraging to want to see more of them when you start seeing trailers like the one for Thor Ragnarok and the one for Black Panther that just look so fresh and different. And like there's something different tonally or aesthetically about them. Um and I don't know, it's just, it's just, it, 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 it can't not be a conscious decision to say, we have to keep it fresh, we have to mix it up, we have to bring in new audience, we have to, you know, capture new viewers, we have to keep this MCU going, I mean, as a business decision, but also just as a creative endeavor for people, you know, like Ryan Coogler and, you know, the Rousseau brothers and like guys that are coming up into these really, really big platform films really from, I mean, relatively small films prior. I mean, you're talking about Taika coming off of The Hunt for the Wilder People, like, which was, you know, a, I think we all loved that film, and it was on some of our best of lists, and you go into Thor Ragnarok. I mean, like, it just it's just a really interesting decision, um, and they obviously know what they're doing, and there's got to be some conversation being had about finding these voices, finding these this vision, to kind of mix things up, keep it fresh, and uh, and keep people wanting to come back and see these characters over and over again. I read somewhere that uh, uh, Taika Waititi uh, said that Thor Ragnarok was 
a Thor reboot without recasting Thor. Ah, totally. It's pretty cool. I think Marvel, Marvel has the ability to, it's kind of criminal, man, what they do. It's, it's how they make movies like Ant-Man and Doctor Strange feel like indie movies in this universe, despite being made by big company, you know, it's, it's Disney. Right. It's Disney putting right. out these films. It's a small crime that people people don't. It's it's you even think about the movies differently when you think about Ant Man. When you think about Doctor Strange, you don't even think about them in the same way that you think about Avengers or Spider Man. And yet they they maintain a quality. They have legs. There's something about the approach to them, the way that they they even market them. That's purposefully done to make it feel like it's sort of like an indie sort of feel to it outside of everything that's happening the main stories sure the thing that they're trying to i guess what they're kind of succeeding in too with the star wars movies is movies like rogue one and coming up next is the han solo movie making them feel very small in comparison to the other ones just in feel but it may have the same you know a similar funding it's marketed differently it makes you feel different and it, it, it it's happening with a lot of brands where they're making people feel like maybe maybe if you don't feel like you want to watch the big movie you don't want to watch 50 people on screen fighting watch these small superhero movies so that you get kind of acquainted with the characters and you'll sneak they sneak you into the bigger story and then you'll want to see avengers eventually right. so i I, right. I think it's incredible well, one of the things that's smart about what they've done is, you know, with those sort of ancillary franchises you're talking about, Ronald, like Ant-Man and Doctor Strange, is that they've they've set up a replenishing system of characters so that if the Hemsworths and Downies and um, Evanses and Johansons jump ship, they have Brie Larson, Chadwick Boseman, right, right. Paul Rudd, Benedict Cumberbatch kind of lined up to jump in and take their place. Right, right. And another thing that seems to be working for them right now is just the audience expectation being met. Uh, I know we've talked in the past about the cinema score rating being the thing that grades whether people feel that the movie that they were sold in the marketing is the movie that they saw in the theater. And I predict that the cinema score rating for Thor Ragnarok is going to be really high because I think the trailers sell exactly what the movie is. Absolutely. And so often we talk about films that are mismarketed. I think this is a rare case where it really is a a perfect indication of what you can expect. Absolutely. I mean, it does... The marketing does sort of sketch out the plot. There's not a whole lot of real story surprises. But in terms of the character interactions and the jokes, there's a lot of them in the trailer. That's exactly the kind of thing you get in the film. And no, they don't spoil the best jokes. Yeah, yeah. And it feels like it was like it undersold what the movie was even. It undersold some of like the the, the humor of it. It undersold how much action was going to be in it. And I thought I thought that was pretty cool because i wound up seeing a lot more bodies getting thrown around that i ever expected for this film so <laughs> I, I was i was pretty impressed i was impressed uh who are some of your favorite characters in the movie um i mean i, I mean i thought thor was great i mean like like i said earlier in the conversation like i feel like it was great you know i i like chris hemsworth more than i like thor you know prior to <laughs> prior to seeing this one but i mean i kind of i kind of felt like coming out of this movie 
I cared a lot more about Thor and I cared a lot more about what happens to him and where he at, where he is at in the story, you know, the whole Avengers storyline that's coming. And um, I just thought that it kind of recenters that whole character and, I mean, really makes it a character that you want to root for and that you get, you know, that you just like to laugh with and at. And um, so that was a, a big plus for me. I also thought that, um, I mean, John already mentioned uh, Kate Blanchett was really great and, and you mentioned it too, Ronald. But um, I loved uh, Tessa Thompson as Valkyrie and I thought... Yes that um it's it's smaller role but it's so fun and sweet and just silly and everything that you know Taika Waititi is is uh he he does the mocap for the uh, and the voice for Korg um which I didn't really know much about going into it I've I'd heard that he was in it and I know that you know I'd seen a couple like uh stills of it but I didn't know much where it fell into place in the movie so that was a, a nice uh mild surprise for me to kind of see that character and just the the just just like the accent that new zealand maori accent (laughs) and just how like kind of just innocent and honest and sweet that character was i just i just loved how that kind of fell into place amongst all this in the middle of a major action sequence like how his delivery is just it just completely like the the complete opposite to all the anger and action going on on the screen. It just was. I thought that character was great. I guess a real standout uh, performance and character for me would be Mark Ruffalo, both as Bruce Banner and in the voice work and mocap performing he does as the Hulk, who in this film is a bit more developed of a character. Because of that, it's a great step in the evolution of of Bruce Banner and the Hulk, without really detracting from the fact that this is definitely Thor's film yeah absolutely but it does answer some questions about what the hulk's been up to and kind of hints at the role he might play in the coming events and you know in the comics there were so many different iterations of the hulk's character that i might have thought before were too crazy for them to do in the movies but now that they've done everything that they've done i don't think that stuff is too crazy anymore you know like think about the way that when they started out this franchise they worked so hard to make everything grounded and in this movie they establish sakar this gladiator world run by jeff Goldblum, they establish it <laughs> yeah. in a few minutes and you're up and running with the actual storyline. And it, it's almost like they have a lot of trust that audiences are going to go there with them. Yep. And speaking of Sakaar, uh, I thought Jeff Goldblum was great in his uh, limited screen time, but he really does a lot with it that only Jeff Goldblum could do. And I, I too, I want to second what you said, Steve, about Tessa Thompson. I thought she was really great in a role that was written in such a way so as to be kind of like a co-lead without really detracting, again, from Thor's arc. But she's every bit his equal in the story and how that works and just the visuals that come from that. I think she's great. Right, Tessa right. Thompson was who's always pretty pretty darn good, I thought, was was really a standout. Sure. Oh, absolutely. She was great in what it. What about you, Ronald? I'd say, man, it's 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 a toss-up between Thor and uh, the Hulk. But I'll definitely say the Hulk is probably my favorite just because, I mean, I've, I've seen moments of genius with Thor at times, but I feel like, the Incredible Hulk has the longest stretch where he was a dry ass character. Um, I, I didn't hate Edward Norton's version, but this does feel like the most developed version of the Hulk that I've seen so far. And him balancing the humor with the seriousness of kind of dealing with this conflict that exists within him 
has been it was handled in a way that I just had never seen before. He felt like a little kid also, which I thought was pretty cool, but also an adult. So I don't know. I, th- I think he's probably my favorite. So I, I guess I guess we could say that we all liked it. Is that, <laughs> is that... It's just pure fun. And it, it shouldn't be that noteworthy to see a movie that, that just tries to be pure fun and delivers. But it is pretty noteworthy to see it done as well as this. Yeah, yeah. Um, and with as much heart and with as much humor. Um, it's a two-hour and ten-minute movie that does not feel long or bloated, which is pretty amazing. Um, I, I did remember reading back in the summer that it was supposed to be an hour and 40 minutes long, and it was hard to picture that in the age of these, you know, tentpole franchise entries that usually hover around two hours or more. Yeah. Mm. And uh, sure enough, once it finally came out, it was two hours and 10 minutes. So I don't know how the, an extra half hour got added back in, <laughs> but I did read that supposedly all the scenes they added in or or put back in from that edit that was 30 minutes shorter... They were all jokes, that not one of them was a key plot scene. Oh, wow. So that does indicate that perhaps the studio saw what they had and was leaning in. Um, and I think that's a great thing to to have a movie that just really knows what it is. And for me, it never felt slow. I, I did not feel like it was two hours and ten minutes. Right, right. I want to see it again. Yeah, it's definitely the kind of thing where, um, like John said earlier, I mean, if you if you were into that trailer at all... Um, the movie is is that trailer and then some. I mean, it's it's you you are buying the ticket for that. There's no hoodwinking going on, and uh, and and as many jokes as there are and comic beats as there are in the trailer, there's more in the movie. And 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 not to um, undermine that, there are some gorgeous action sequences as well. So don't don't feel that it's just like this comedy with a couple battles, but. There's some amazing. Um, we talked after the movie. There's there's two sequences that I think John. I don't know. Somebody said it looked like a painting, like a moving painting, and and they yeah, really yeah. do. It's just these epic wide shot, like you know, slow motion. But I mean, more than just slow motion, they're just gorgeous, and um, and it's and it feels amazing to finally see uh, Led Zeppelin's "Immigrant Song" used in a movie somehow, <laughs> like in this way. It's just like the perfect. I don't know. Like that that sequence is like the sequence for me. Like walking out of the theater that was like kind of painted in my brain for a little while. And I just kept seeing that over and over again in my head. And I kind of, I kind of want to watch it again. If anything, just for that one scene, um, it's just gorgeous. What we've all said, we want to see it again at some point. And I think that is the main thing here is that it's the kind of thing where you want to find the biggest screen you can yeah. and see it because there are some moments. I think we're thinking of the same moment, Steve, that are just, there's one late in the film involving Thor, and then there's a moment where the Valkyrie are descending on Hela that was featured in the trailer. And it's just got this great painterly approach to light and the way the movement works. I don't always like it when they slow a movie down for a kind of money shot like that. But in this this case, it just seemed, it seemed like it was part of the storytelling and it was somewhat motivated, but it also just makes your jaw drop. Yeah, the, the the jaw drop is like the key. Like I, I I feel like that literally happened to to us when we saw that moment. Like yeah, yeah. It's just it, it's it. I mean I don't know, man. Like I've been I've been raving about it to people since we saw it, and I mean it's 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 so much of what the Thor character and the Thor portions of this MCU need it. And I think it's like a nice shot in the arm for people wanting something a little different with their comic book movies that they're looking for. You still have the action. You still have the characters you love. You have new characters that you're going to grow to love. And, you know, you have a lot of humor. And um, 
and you get to see other characters from other movies too, like some. So there's there's a couple there's a nice little like cameo or moment with a character from another Marvel film, and um, that actually is a really great scene and makes sense in the movie. Like sometimes they don't, but um, right, right. Yeah, this is this is a go ahead for all of us, I think. And I mean, I, there's no doubt it's gonna do really well, but. I'm excited to see, you know, this kind of stuff happening. And like we've mentioned it multiple times, even on this podcast, but like something just feels right right now, like that I'm very excited for this and I'm very excited for, you know, Black Panther. And, you know, that just leads you to be very excited for Infinity War, that that they're kind of just funneling us down to this big moment. And um, yeah, it'd just be really interesting to see like what other efforts are made once Black Panther's up you know, to see what kind of, what's going to connect us into Infinity War. I mean, because it'll be here before we know it. Yep. Yeah. If you're listening to this, you're, well, you probably should be out seeing Thor Ragnarok, depending on when we get this out on Friday. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it, it's got, it's got the movie Go Ahead. So hopefully you check it out. And if you do, let us know what you think it's of three it. Three Go Aheads. Yeah, it's three. Yeah. See it as soon as possible. It's three Go Aheads and no spoilers, I think. Yeah, I think we, we kept we, it pretty we didn't clean. didn't spoil anything. Yeah. Well, except for the fact that it's awesome. We spoiled that for you. <laughs> so, yeah, if you check out the film, definitely message us on uh, our Facebook page or leave a comment. Let us know what you think of it. Uh, we'd, we'd, we'd love to know if you agree with us or if you don't, we'd like to know why. Um, what are you excited for next? Um, any kind of conversations you want to get into with us, we're, we're pretty active on Facebook, so let us know. Uh, it's facebook.com slash movie. Um, and you can find us on Apple Podcasts, uh, pretty much any podcast platform out there. You should be able to find us. And if you can't, let us know, and we will try to get onto it. Um, cool. Do you, Do you guys have anything else you want to throw down real quick? Uh, I think that's it for me. Okay. Nah, I'm good. All right. Well, as always, you've made our day. Thanks for listening.